Welcome back to the Forever Everything Podcast. On today's episode, Gabe Yannis and I, we are back on the mic. We're talking about all things business, fitness, and actually getting in front of people and speaking. So on today's episode, we talk about some of the lessons we're learning here at NC Fit, some of the new things we're implementing, and how we think that's going to be successful. So if you're a business owner, if you're in the business space, definitely, definitely pay attention to this one. Also, we talk about my favorite workout of the week. It involves kettlebells. If you're interested in checking it out, just listen to the podcast. And then finally, we talk about getting in front of people in far as um, public speaking, how do we've developed that, how we're getting better, and what it means to be okay to be nervous before you get into those conversations. It actually just means you care. So stay tuned for an awesome episode with Gabe. Go back, check out the other episodes. Have an amazing week and looking forward to, you know, seeing you guys again next week for another episode. Let's go. I walk into the gym today and uh, they're playing that Black Eyed Peas song. Um, uh, I got a feeling. Remember that? You know that song? Yeah. That was that was, was my. Uh, I should have let you sing more of it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Figure out what yeah. song it was. Yeah. I got a feeling. Um, for Ash and I, that was like our wedding, not like our wedding song, um, but like that was like the the hot. That was like the hot music at the time. And so uh, it was just a good reminder. You walk into the gym, you got the vibes are right. You got the music bumping with the black eyed peas. And so now here we are. We're recording. We're on. Um, good afternoon or good morning. It's 8 a.m. on a Thursday and we are recording, getting after it. How's the, how's the morning been for you? Dude, it's good. We had some crazy, like insane Texas thunderstorms last night, <laughs> which was, man, those are those are always interesting, man. Dude, I mean, here we are complaining in California. It was like a lot of rain, but this morning, dude, the sun was up. It was a good morning. Um, Ava and I, Ava got in. Um, you know, one of the things I was thinking about doing, I don't think I, I'm I'm saying this, but I don't know if I'm going to actually back it up. I was thinking about starting like just a, a a blog, like a really cheap, easy, like WordPress blog. And just every day after Ava and I work out, just putting her workout in there. No video, no nothing. Just like, hey, this is what we did. We did Tabata of this and this just to give parents ideas. The only problem is, is that um, we have quite a bit of equipment in our gym. And I don't know if other families have that same type of access. So I might not do it, but it was just something I was thinking about this morning because we keep it like 10 minutes and we're, I just thought I'd give people ideas. But anyways, I imagine you think that might be a distraction. <laughs> if, if I had a dollar for every time Jason Kalipa has come up with a hella simple just side idea over here, I would have many dollars. Yeah. I mean, it's hella simple, right? It's just like, Hey, you just start. It's, up a it's always, it's, it's always hella simple. It's always super simple, simple blog, super cheap, super like, yeah, yeah. Super simple. It was so yesterday we're having a meeting. Um, and oh, I was, I was talking to Frankie and, and Nikki and, um, somehow I got brought up that I want to start, um, helping with some of the, uh, sales process. You know, we're, we're updating our sales process with the, with the, like a binder and stuff. And both of them just looked at me and like, you know, they, they, they knew that I would overcommit and under deliver on reoccurring deliverables. So I just let it go, but I'm excited to see how that shift happens for the company. I think for gym owners, you know, what, what I'm talking about right now is that historically at NC fit, we've done a lot of different, um, sales process, tons of different ways, three for 30, three visits for 30 bucks. We've done, I mean, tons and now we're making a huge shift. So I don't know, you want to talk about it? I mean, it's it's a big shift and I, I'm excited to see how it turns out. No, I most definitely don't want to talk about it until we like take it through the paces and like actually have something to share. I think, so here's what I would share for gym owners listening out there or just anyone is two things that I think are kind of universal. 
if you've been doing the same thing for a long time and butting your head and not seeing the change you want to change, you have to try something completely different. You owe it to try something completely different. Because if you continue to make like little incremental safe changes, because you don't want to, you know, like rip up the playbook and be like, hey, we're going to try this thing over here that's completely different. Because I get that. That can be scary. If you keep making like the little like, well, let's try and change this a little bit. You know, maybe our coaching needs to be a little bit better. Maybe we need to welcome people differently at the door. Like, yes, those things are important. But you have to understand that like the little 2% changes are not going to give you the like 100%, you know, change in outcome that you're looking for on the other side. So you owe it to yourself to try something completely different and also go all in on it, even though it might seem scary. And, you know, I think the thing that like right now, is I mean, not concerning, but like, you know, is really, really important to keep in mind as we do implement this is that here's what I know for sure. I know that if we try this and we're like 50-50, we're kind of apprehensive, it might work, it might not, it's definitely not going to work. But if we go in and we're like, hey, this is what we need to do and we're going to go all in, then it has a pretty good chance of working. So it's almost a catch-22 because I know that for a lot of people, big change can be difficult and you can approach it apprehensively because it is a big change. But the catch 22 there is that if you don't manage to buy in and get your team to buy into it hundred percent, then it's going to be dead on the vine. Like this thing has very little chance of succeeding. So those are, I think the lessons that I'm okay sharing with now, but as I've said before, man, like to really give value to gym owners out there and be like, Hey, here's what we're doing. Here's what worked. Here's what didn't work. I'd love to like get some, you know, step some 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 reps under our belt and really be able to share something meaningful instead of just saying hey here's what we're trying because you know rightfully so then people are going to be like well i should try that yeah yeah, hold on we'll take it through its paces and then i'm always happy to share what went well what didn't what we learned and hopefully what can help jim on yeah no i mean i think for so first i think that's really good feedback i mean i think for me i get all excited about these things because i want to share different things that we're trying but I think we should try them once they're either proven successful or, or, or not. Right. But, um, to your point, this is a big shift for us. And I think what, what we had to reflect on, I think other business leaders have to, regardless of what the business they're in is like, Hey, are we reaching our potential? And if the answer is no, and we've been doing the same thing for quite a while, it might be one of those times we need to switch it up, switch it up in a pretty big way. So we are switching up our sales process in a pretty big way. I'm particularly really excited about this because each time we get a little bit uncomfortable, I feel like it takes our business one step further. I'll give you an example. I did not want to do class reservations. I thought that class reservations was going to ruin our business because I was so comfortable with the idea of like, just let people come in. And ultimately that wasn't providing the best experience for our members because some days they'd come in, there'd be 30 people in a class. Other times they'd be five or whatever it is. And it would just be impacted. It wouldn't be the coach to class ratio that we wanted. So we started doing a, a class reservations and I think it's been super, super well received um, over time. But one of the things that I think Gabe, you mentioned, and I think this is a really, really important point to bring across is that if you are going to implement something like that, that does, I don't want to say ruffle the feathers, that's probably not the right term, but just switch culture, right? You got to get everybody on board because what happened with the class reservations and I think that we were pretty on board, but if we had a few coaches that weren't on board, when people came in late or they didn't reserve or whatever, and they didn't hold the line, it started to kind of break down what we were trying to get across from a business perspective. So, you know, from us, from the new sales flow to, you know, check-ins to our 10 minute, you know, um, 
delays in between classes, et cetera. I think getting the entire team buy-in is key. So I think with the sales process, I think you've done a good job and Matt too, to get us to a place where we're ready to implement. Now he's got to go execute. So I'm excited to talk to gym owners, like maybe what a week or two from now. No, I'm just kidding. A couple months from now about how that went. Um, it's probably also too early to talk about how nutrition went. I think we need to talk about that probably in a, in a month or two, right? Yeah. I mean, what I can definitely share on the nutrition side of things is, is that I think it's gone really well. So we launched with a challenge. Um, we had a goal and we hit that goal for all intents and purposes. We hit that goal. And, um, I think a big part of it was, you know, trusting the process that we had laid out uh, because, you know, early on it seemed like, Hey, we're not getting the type of reception that we wanted to, but I think with anything new, there's always going to be like a lot of excitement in the front end. And then a lot of people that are waiting for stuff last minute, and it can yeah. be very easily to get discouraged kind of in that interim in the middle and not continue to what, you know, I say all the time and everyone says all the time, which is people need to hear things seven to 10, whatever number you know is 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 out there but definitely more than, more than once yeah more than once more than twice more than three times to take action and there's always going to be people that are like man i've been waiting for this for forever so you launch it and they're like sign up right away boom so you get a big influx in the beginning but then those other people that didn't make the decision off the bat they are going to have to hear it seven to ten times and i think where a lot of people lose in making any sort of sales or conversion is when you get to that like no man's land in the middle of like you've said it just enough that you feel like you've said it a lot, but you haven't said it enough yet for people to convert. And then you give up. You're like, oh, man, that was a wash. You have to stay consistent. You got to stay with it because at the end of the day, we had a lot of people convert. And I I know or I, I feel strongly that it was because we were incredibly consistent throughout, even though we were kind of getting crickets in the middle there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree with you. So in the beginning, we had that big push. It, we got like, I think like, I don't know. Fit, so our goal was 50. We we set a goal of 50 people to participate in this challenge. And the reason why 50 was the right number is because it was pretty, it was pretty hands-on. It wasn't like a not very, it was a very hands-on challenge. And so we can only accommodate so many people. So the goal is 50. In the beginning, I think we had like 15, 20 that just like rushed in. And then uh, Gabe's right. It felt like no man's land for like maybe, I don't know, two, three weeks. It was like, oh shit, I don't know if we're going to hit our goal. And then, you know, posters in the gyms, coaches talking about it, redoing it on social, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Boom. All of a sudden we hit our number right at the you know last minute. So yeah, kudos to you and the team. And I think that's a good takeaway for people is like, I've been in that no man's land before. I know you have too. And if you don't keep pushing, you think like you've said it a lot, but people don't see everything. I think something for us to think about um, as we move forward with other things we're going to launch here at the gyms. Yeah. And I mean, I, I encourage everyone to think about, you know, this, there's, there's very real world examples to how this stuff works, because I know that for me, I bring this example a lot now because literally companies that sell stuff for babies have huge paid marketing budgets. They put so much money because they know that you have to get hit with a sponsored ad for this like new, whatever, like 10 times to convert and it works, man. And I'll see something once and I'll be like, I don't need that. I'll see it three times and I'll be like, maybe I need that. I'll see it seven times. And it's like, I really think we need that. And then by the 10th time, I'm like, here's my credit card, take my money. So yeah. it a hundred percent works. And I know we can all relate. Maybe it's not obviously like having a baby and baby stuff to something that that has worked on us. And there's, there's something to be said about it. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm excited about the, what we're going to be doing for adjusting some of those processes. And then we'll continue to share them with gym owners or just not even gym owners, just people who listen to this podcast, who, who 
are in the business space, you know, we're going to continue to try and constantly improve and, and never settle. And something's going to work. Some things aren't, but that's, that's just the way it works. Um, yeah, I went to a new, I got to tell you about this. So for, um, we went to San Francisco. So if you live in the San Francisco area, we went to a, we were, we were headed to a Michael Mina restaurant and we were going to a place called Pabu, which is like a Japanese restaurant. And that's one of my children's favorite restaurants. So we were heading there. But before that, Mike, uh, Patrick Umel, who was on this show, um, and is the president of table one, they opened a new restaurant, um, called bar Espazia. I, I got to double check the name and dude, I'm telling you, Gabe, because we had him on the show, if you can go back and listen to Patrick talk, the attention to detail that these guys put out was like second to none from the moment you walked in the door to the moment you left. I mean, they tiled, the ceiling was tiled. Like they made it feel like you were in Venice. The, the, the attention to detail, it was just, it was just really something like we talk about virtuosity. You know, one of the talks I'm going to give at the two brain summit is going to be this idea of virtuosity as a business owner. That's a good example of virtuosity, right? Doing the common uncommonly well, these guys have a restaurant and they're just killing it, dude, from, from the customer experience to the way you walk in the door to the, to even like the stemware, all that stuff. It's, it's a really good example. So if you guys are in San Francisco, check out Bar Espazia or any of the Michael Mina or Table One restaurants to kind of get inspiration for this idea of virtuosity, doing the common, like a, a restaurant, but doing it fucking so good. Um, I was so impressed, man. I just had to bring it up to you. What, um, tell me about this talk that you're uh, thinking of giving when we have the, uh, the partners next week. So this will come out Bar probably Spresitra. after- yeah, bar spreads it. Bar spreads a Tura in uh, on Clay Street in San Francisco. I just looked it up. Okay, got it. What you want to know about the partner one? Yeah, tell me about this idea. This All this right. talk that you're really right. excited about. Dude, this is this is groundbreaking stuff. Okay, so there's three talks that I'm gonna be giving in the near future. Number one is going to be um is going to be virtuosity as a business owner, and I'm still kind of working through some of this. It's just like a theory in my head. Although I'm presenting it to our, um, basically we're doing like more or less an immersion here at the gym with our partner gyms. And I'm going to be presenting this idea of like doing the common, owning a gym, but doing it, you know, really, really well. So that's one of, the, one of the talks. Another talk is this idea of taking your coaches from wherever they're at, from good to great and how we do that here at NC Fit. But the third talk, and this one's, I guess I'm kind of like dry running it here with you is that we're, we're, we're getting, um, go rucks, right? So we have go ruck backpacks. And so we have like, you know, 20 pound, 30 pound, 45 pounds, et cetera. We're gonna have about 20 people with us and we're going to hit a uh, Creek trail, Los Gatos Creek trail, which is where I live. And we're going to hit this trail. It's about a two hour hike up and, and back. It's, it's not that bad, but if you have a 45 pound pack on, it gets real at the top of the hill. It's, it's beautiful, right? It's gorgeous. It's California. It's, and you overlook, um, downtown San Jose. And so what the speech is going to be, I'm going to give up there. I'm, I'm, I'm still prepping in my head. So this is just like, this is like the pre to the pre to the pre talk is this idea of evolve or perish. And so what the talk is going to be about is that San Jose was founded in like the late 1700s. And by, um, I mean, I have, I have to go do even more research. And then Los Gatos ended up, you know, being founded in like the late 1800s. But in the beginning of the 1700s and in, or at the end of the 1700s and at the end of the 1800s, both for San Jose and Los Gatos, where we're at, if you're overlooking this particular area, it used to all be orchards. The entire thing was orchards. And it was, you know, all kinds of different orchards. And then over the years, right, things evolved. 
Los Gatos started off as all orchards. Then it pivoted. Now it's all high tech. And so it's really interesting when you look at downtown and a visual representation of you're either evolving or you're going to perish. And I'm going to utilize the example of this idea of like how they were all farmers. And then as industries evolved, as things changed, these places now have all, there, there's no longer any, any um, orchards. And so if the people who own that land or, or if the workers in that area did not evolve, they would have been gone. They would have been pushed out of the area and or just perished. And it's just a really nice visual representation of how things grow, change, and how you have to never settle with your business because if you don't evolve, you're going to be perished. You're going to perish over time. That's like the premise of the talk. And I think it's a nice visual representation looking at a place that used to be all orchard. And now it's basically a city and that evolution. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, that that's the theory of the talk. Yeah. I mean, the idea is powerful, right? And I think it's it's really important. I think we talked about it on the podcast in in different ways, but that overarching theme of like, you know, the the fitness industry, because I know that's our audience is evolving and you can either keep up or spearhead that evolution mm -hmm. and be at the tip of it, or you can fall behind just because you're comfortable in your ways or it's the ways you've done it. So for a long time, and I think that it's okay to not change things if you're completely satisfied with where you are, which might be the case for some people, right? Like you might have a gym where like, there's still graffiti on the wall and your culture is still very much like, you know, the competitors and so on. And that gym might be doing really well for you. I think that that's not the case for most gym owners, but if that is the case, then sure, you don't necessarily have to change. But I think that where a lot of gym owners fall is that they're not necessarily happy with where the business is, right? Like they want more, they think there's some untapped potential there. And for that to be the case, and there also not be the open-mindedness to evolve, like you're saying, and, and see what you can change and how you can, you know, move along with the fitness industry in the direction it's going without, of course, losing the roots and, and staying true to CrossFit if you're a CrossFit gym, so on and so forth, I think is is the reason that some gyms are kind of in this in this frustrated um, place where they're spinning their wheels a little bit. So I'm, I'm excited for the talk to come to life, man. Obviously, I'll be there. Um, we're going to plan and hopefully capture some of this content so we can share that for people that won't be able to make it in person, but um, no, man, it, it it's, it's a powerful idea. And I think that having a talk up there and not just, you know, at the gym or in front of a whiteboard, um, I think can add a cool element for the people that are there attending in person. Yeah. I was thinking, you know, we talk about essentially like the history, we dive a little bit deeper, right. Um, and explain like how it was settled, like how Los Gatos uh, used to be called, you know, Rinconada de Los Gatos, like, um, the it's the cove of the cats or, or because there used to be a bunch of mountain lions all over the place. that used to scream and howl at night and just kind of talk a little bit about the history and they explain like my journey to getting to Los Gatos and how that was part of like this idea of like evolution. I grew up on the other side. I want to get, I'm going to, I'm going to basically use it as a visual representation of evolution. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited about it, man. I think it's gonna be really good. I think the partners that are coming out are gonna be able to see what we're doing here at NC fit. I think it's going to be hopefully inspirational and then in the future, I hope it lays the framework for other owners to maybe come to our gyms and see what we're doing. Because I think we're not perfect at by any means, but I do think our coaching product and our facilities are, are, are at a really high level right now. I think we should be showing them to others to help raise the overall industry um, better and better and better. So this is a, this is a stepping stone towards what I want to get to with that. 
Let me ask you a question. Have you always been comfortable with public speaking? Or is that something you you had to grow into a little bit? Yeah, I had to grow into it, right? Because um But like were were you ever like even back in school like the guy that just like did not want to like literally like clammy hands, like hated it more than anything? Or was it always something that you were maybe a little bit more comfortable with than most? Probably a little bit more comfortable than most. I, I think that I'm not like deathly afraid of it, but I've also, you know, it, um, speaking in front of people is like competing in CrossFit where you can't, like you might be really good in your garage, but unless you go out there and actually compete, you're not developing the skill of competing, which is in, which is a skill in itself, right? And speaking in front of people is a skill set that you have to develop. You know, I, I remember for me, um, it started off when I was getting ready for seminars for CrossFit. This is probably where I really grew as a speaker was when I was doing the seminars for CrossFit. Cause I would be presenting in front of like 50 people every weekend for two years. And I would film myself speaking, but filming yourself speaking is a good start, but it's a lot different than when you're actually in front of people and you feel anxious, you feel nervous, you have to learn how to control those things. And so I think it's just reps, 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 reps. And then, you know, I've done AMRAP mentality talks in front of tons of people. Remember that? I don't know. Did you go to the Granite Games with us that one year? It was like years ago. I competed. Remember? That's oh, like yeah. When, that's, I think that's when I met you, right? No, no. I'd been I'd been hired. Yeah, I was hired like literally like 48 hours ago or something crazy. Like I was like new, new. And, and I was competing with my buddies. Um, but I, I didn't I didn't hear the talk, but I was I was there. Yeah. I mean, so that talk was in front of a ton of people because it was in this, this giant arena. It was very, that was a very difficult talk because it was super distracting because some people were sitting there engaged. Some people were getting ready to go compete. And it was like very difficult for me to talk because you're seeing all these people like moving around, but then a lot of people are watching too. So that was a tough one. But yeah, for anybody who struggles with public, public speaking, I think you got to get in the reps. Um, and you know, you can even start by just trying to present to your family, start presenting to your friends, start by filming yourself. But unless you're out there trying to do it on a regular basis, you're never going to get better at it. That's for sure. Yeah. You know, I, 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 for all intents and purposes, I think I'm, I'm, you know, a good public speaker, but I mean, I still get, dude, I get so nervous. And this is something that like people might not necessarily notice if you've heard me talk in front of a group or whatever. Um, I don't do it as much now. And it's actually one of the reasons that I miss coaching because I think coaching is a way of getting those reps and getting that skill. And it goes back to kind of what we talked a little bit with Chris Cooper a few episodes ago of, I think that, you know, someone young that could get into coaching for five, six years, like how much you can improve in public speaking, literally getting in front of a group of people that are probably older than you, more experienced than you, in many respects, like a little bit intimidating and be able to be articulate and present the workout and, you know, maybe even be a little bit funny. I know we always talk about like the balance of like not trying to go up there and make it a stand-up routine, but you are also trying to entertain in many ways. Yeah. There's also a skill there of not just being there and being like 21, 15, nine, pull up, you know, like, you're not supposed to be a robot up there. You're supposed to like create a little bit of rapport and be entertaining. Coaching for me was super, super useful and just being comfortable. And I think that for me, it's all about just confidence because usually something that I'm speaking about, I know it like the back of my hand, like a really good example is, uh, you know, this video that I filmed for the uh, virtual kickoff seminar for, this the, is nutrition for the nutrition challenge. Yeah. Nutrition yeah. Challenge. Like, 
I, I re-listened to it and, you know, not to pat myself on the back, but it was good. It was really good. Pat yourself on the back. It was very good. It was very good. You did I got job. really into it. Yeah. It's all stuff that I feel super passionate about. So I was like making jokes and like this and that. But it was funny because I feel like the reason that was so easy for me, and honestly, it came out really well, is because it was me right here at my desk in my home, like just talking to a camera and like reading off of, I wasn't reading off of notes. I was just using the presentation, but that's a lot more difficult. And it goes back to your analogy of you might be good in the garage, but are you good in front of a bunch of people? And I think that, you know, I don't think it would have been as tight and I would have been as comfortable have I had I had to do that in front of like an actual live group of participants like Emily, Frankie and Julian did. But I think that coaching is something that really, really helps build that confidence. So you can go out there and take something that you do know, like if you're by yourself, you can present it no problem and somehow be able to still present that at the same level when you're in front of a big audience. Yeah. I mean, here's something to consider. We're, we're saying that there's a skill set to competing. There's a skill set to speaking, but you know, to feel nervous or anxious before something like this, it's actually not a bad thing. Um, you know, be, like I'd be lying to you if I said like, oh, I'm going to be walking up to the top of this hill and I'm going to feel a hundred percent normal. Right. I'm going to walk up to the top of the hill. I'm going to be a little bit anxious. I'm a little bit, little bit, little bit nervous. Not like, like, you know, debilitating, but that just means I give a shit. And I think that's what I've had to come to the conclusion of is that I would get nervous before I went and competed at the CrossFit games. Well, of course it's because I've worked so hard for this moment. I want to go and perform at my expectation. And it's because it really means a lot to me. And so like, I kind of had to reframe the whole nervous thing in terms of like, I had to reframe it in my head that when I'm nervous, it's not a negative. It just means that I actually care about something that much. And the fact that you care about it that much means you are going to go out there and put in your best effort. And people are going to know that you put in a lot of effort on it. Obviously you want to prepare and et cetera, et cetera. But the idea that you would go out and speak in front of anybody and not feel a little bit anxious, a little bit healthy, healthy, I think is is unlikely, mainly because you care and you want to do a great job and you want to be able to deliver the information in an effective way. You know, for me, what I the, the thing that would really disappoint me is if these partners left after coming out here, spending their time, energy, effort, money, and and not being able to get something away from it. That would really bother me. And so that's why I'm nervous because I want to be able to deliver insight and uh, it just means I care. So I had to kind of reframe it in my head. Um, but that being said, I have a lot of work to do to get uh, these talks polished enough that we're ready for uh, like 10 days from now. Let me tell you a, a, a funny story. Um, maybe, maybe slightly controversial. We don't have to get into the controversial part, but let me tell you a funny story. Uh -oh. So the high school I went to, I went to um, Hunter College High School, which is like- Shout out to Hunter College High School. For anyone that knows, it's like one of the, it's one of the like specialized high schools in New York City, um, like the Stuyvesants, the whatever of the world. It's super hard to get into. How I got into it, whatever. But it's a very like exclusive high school. So like the alumni group um, is, you know, like the, the who's who of people that have like done crazy things. Anyway, I went back for my 10 year reunion. And as part of the reunion, this was back in 2019. So as part of the reunion, they have someone from every class because also the school, Hunter College High School is like, dude, it's so old. Like the first, the graduating class that was also part of the reunion because they get everyone together for an assembly that's in every five years, right? So yeah. everyone's celebrating their 10, 15, 20. Like I think the earliest person that spoke, she was like in her 90s. And the school used to be a women's only school. 
And then I forget when it turned co-ed, but it turned co-ed somewhere in like the nineties, the like relatively recently for the history of the school. And so as they give the speeches, they start with the, you know, earliest, earliest graduating classes. And people just give a speech kind of like, you know, remembering their memories of Hunter and what it meant to them and like, you know, whatever. So obviously everyone in the beginning, it's all women. It's right. all like, you know, like really accomplished, like incredible women go up and give a speech. And then I guess just because of the nature of like, you know, who like volunteers to do this stuff or whatever, once you get to the years of it being a co-ed school, it's like all men. And I was giving the, I, I like volunteered to do the speech for my graduating class. And then people were telling me like a couple of my friends that like had, you know, maybe their parent went to the school or older brother that usually at this assembly, like the crowd literally starts booing when it's no. like, yeah, when it's like back to back to back men at the end, because also like my school is like, <sighs> the school's also been like caught up in a lot of this controversy now lately of like, you know, the school's like very majority, like white and Asian and like people want more diversity. They, they, they say that it's not representative of the demographic of New York City, right? Like New York City is an incredibly diverse <laughs> yeah, it's place. Super diverse. Yeah. But because the way you get into it is, you know, a very, very, you know, tough standardized test and like certain families can afford tutoring, it's kind of caught up in 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 that whole, you know, kind of like back and forth. So what I wanted to talk about is the fact that like, you know, like look at me, like I'm, you know, Hispanic and I came to school and I actually felt like there was a lot of diversity in the school because there was like this diversity of ideas. And I took so much away from my experience there. And I don't think that it's this like, you know, terrible place that, you know, some of the old alumni make it out to be. But dude, I cannot tell you, did you get how booed? nervous I was. No, I did, did you... not get booed. No, it went well. And the speech is somewhere on YouTube. I'll, I'll send it to you. Um, but I couldn't have been more nervous because A, it was like, you know, this isn't like you're, general audience these are like people that are like super accomplished like everyone's like a lawyer and a doctor like you yeah, know. yeah yeah and like i'm going up there to like I, I really wanted to talk about this thing that like i didn't think was going to be like a super like popular take among the audience that was there and you know you're like you go towards the end because i was one of the most recent classes to to go um but anyway it went well but dude i was up there you can see in the video i'm like visibly shaking i was so nervous so nervous but it went well and i think that to your point experiences like that have helped me with public speaking like in the future because i think that that still to this day might be one of the like toughest crowds toughest topics that i like had to get in front of and and say something that was important to me at the time well it still is important to me um but yeah i, I remember that vividly because oh, i was i was sweating yeah, like so much. shaking and, oh, oh. yeah, I mean, but that's, you know, I think getting the reps in, you know, um, that's one of the good things about Ava's kitchen. So the annual fundraiser we do, you know, Ava goes up there and she speaks. And so she's getting in reps, getting in front of people. And so is Caden. And I think that's an important way to at least start developing that at a young age, because there's no substitute for getting in front of a big group. It's very difficult to do and you can't mimic it, especially like for you, that's very difficult to mimic, um, you know, getting in front of a group of like your alma mater, like that's, that's tough, especially like given like the whole socio, you know, all that stuff, that's tough. So kudos for you for going up there, but yeah, talking about nutrition and fitness is much, much more low key for sure. Yes. Some people feel very strongly about nutrition. So 
No, sometimes it isn't low key, but yeah, a lot yeah. more low key than that. <laughs> right. I wanted to, um, so speaking of fitness, well, I did uh, a workout the other day. I think that anybody listening should give us a shot. Okay. And I want to, I want to acknowledge something. We got to adjust the load. So maybe start with a 35 pound kettlebell, then go 53, then go 70. But it's, oh, it's the one it's, that posted today. Yeah. And dude, I've done this many times in the past. I just hadn't done it for a while. And boy, oh boy, man, it just, whoo, it lit me up like a Christmas tree, man. I mean, I, so it's, it's 10 minutes long. That's it. 10 minutes. And it's kettlebell swing from basically, you know, obviously underneath, you know, your hip position to overhead. So it's not Russian. It's going to be American more overhead. If it's not perfectly straight, that's fine. You're going to be okay. Just right overhead. And you do 30 reps in one minute. You then rest a minute for five, for five rounds. Each round of 30 reps, even if you're really moving, man, I mean, you could be pumping that kettlebell. It's going to take you 52 seconds to 56 seconds. And so it's basically one minute on one minute off for, for 10 minutes. Um, yeah, it's a really good go-to, uh, like from a stamina grip builder. So if you're out there, give it a shot, 30 reps, but adjust the weight accordingly. Something that I do is at the top of the rep, I'll release my hands a little bit and then re-engage them to help with that grip strength. Did you, what, what did you use the 70? Yeah, of course, dude. So give that a shot. See if you could do it. I think you should do it, but it'd be really tough. All right. I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it tomorrow. And, but not and Russian, back. dude. You got to go overhead. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I, why did you, why did you assume I was going to no, go No, I'm just saying, because no, because I, I, I know that there's people out there who are going to be able to crush it. If they don't go all the way up, they're going to crush it. And they're going to be like, dude, that guy was full of shit. That was really easy. But you got to go overhead because it just takes longer. It just it, it it requires you to really pump it. So give that a shot. That's that's the workout of the week for me. That reminds me of um, so we used to do back when we we were training like specifically for like you know being good at competing at CrossFit. Leading up to the Open, I remember we would do once a week like very specific anaerobic intervals at CrossFit yeah. Garden City. And one of the nastiest combos I ever did, and this just reminded me because it was all about moving the kettlebell like as fast as possible. It was 250 meter row. I want to say 15 Russian kettlebell swings with the heavy one, 10 burpees, 15 kettlebell swings, 250 meter row. And it was supposed to take like just under like four minutes if you're cooking, but like everything you're supposed to go like, balls to the wall, right? Like it's a short row, like grab the kettlebell, like 15, definitely unbroken burpees up and down back to the kettlebell, back to the 250 meter row. And that would usually take around four minutes. And then you would rest for 10 minutes oh. and do that three times. Yeah. That's some like, like that's some like interval interval stuff. That's like some yeah, Chris yeah, yeah. stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. That's like a, you know, definitely enough time to recover so that you can literally go RPE 10 again. And then a third time and man, just those are brutal. Yeah. I've been working. So I've been doing some more of the knees over toes stuff. So, um, you know, Ben, he's coming out here in a couple of weeks and my knee, you know, I, I talked about it with you is with got a little bit messed up through jujitsu. And so I've been really, really, really putting time and attention. Jiu -jitsu. In. Like, dude, I've been putting a lot of time and attention in and <laughs> I've been really taking a step back. And, and evaluating. So a couple of things I'm doing, and I just want to, I'll share them here. Number one is that I'm taking a, a turmeric um, joint supplement that I'm trying out. I'm just, 
I'm taking a green supplement that I'm trying out. Uh, and I'm doing a lot of like self-care. So I'm going to this guy, Andrew, he's a chiropractor, but he's also like a physical therapist and he's open ideas like Graston and deep tissue. And what I found is that in general, anytime my knee is super messed up, it all has to do with my quad. My quad is just overdeveloped compared to my hamstrings and it gets super tight. So if someone's out there and they've been dealing with knee pain, I would be shocked if it didn't have anything to do with your quad. And I have just some nasty knots I need to get out. And so I've been doing quad smashing, using a kettlebell, just resting on it. I've been um, going to see this guy who's been deep in there with some grass and tools. And it's been, it's been really making a big impact. So that along with doing a lot more stretching, like right now, as I'm standing here talking to you, I have my leg up on a stool and I'm stretching my quad out. Cause I'm, I'm on a standing desk every, anytime we talk, but, um, that's what I'm on, man. I'm not, I'm not young anymore, dude. I got to keep up with this kind of stuff. <laughs> you, so. I'm laughing because you giving advice right now. It just reminded me of when Liz, our social media and marketing superstar on the team, Liz was dealing some shoulder stuff. And I just overheard you talking to her being like, I'm not a doctor or anything, but, and I was like, Oh no. <laughs> oh no. She ended up getting, <laughs> advice, advice ended up getting surgery, right? <laughs> yeah. Not because of what, not, not because of what you told her, but no, yeah. just whenever Jason is trying to give you advice and starting with, I'm not a doctor or anything. Oh, better man. Watch out. That's why, so I'm not a doctor, but this has helped me. It's because, dude, you know, and you know, I told you this, what really bothered me is like, bro, I, I, I couldn't even like do things with my kids. And so I'm like, I got to solve this problem. And so, yeah, I've been going to this guy, Andrew twice a week. He's been, but he's been doing a bunch of things. I've been using the stem and all that kind of stuff, but the biggest thing, the most impactful thing so far has been just deep tissue right into that quad. And, um, it's, and then I've been doing some backward sled walking, some knees over toes type stuff. I think it's making an impact too. So if you're having knee pain out there, you know, I think, I think exploring deep tissue, uh, could really make it a big impact on you. I am. Um, let me share some incredibly unpopular advice, but I think it's, oh it's boy. important. And I, I, I wish someone had shared this with me back in the day, but honestly, I probably wouldn't have listened. Um, you know, I, I tried everything. I was in like knee pain for, I had like two years straight. And I tried everything, like tried the deep tissue, tried whatever. It was just always like nagging. It was always there. It never got to the point where like, I couldn't necessarily do stuff, but I remember like sitting down for a long time would like light it up. I always had to like stretch my knee out. And I think, not I think, I know, because eventually when I hurt my back and couldn't do anything, it solved my knee issue. I think all I had to do was like take some actual rest. Yeah. Like actually, like actually take like six weeks and not do a thing on my knee. Like walk, but not like, can I still do deadlifts? Can I still do kettlebell swings? Like, can I do quarter squats? Like try and like work around it while still very much using your knee. Um, I think if I had done that, yes, I would have had to stop for six weeks but I think I would have saved myself in the long term a lot of other issues that I had downstream and upstream of that, probably because I was ignoring my knee the whole time. So yeah, and, no, that's and I know that that's and I know that's easier said than done. And like I said, if I'd heard this on a podcast back then when I was like, I can't afford to take six weeks off, that's crazy. I probably wouldn't listen anyway. But I don't know, maybe someone out there like this is finally like your yeah, I should probably just chill out for like actual and like. I think the other thing is a lot of people think like, oh, I'm going to rest it is like, oh, I'm going to take two days off instead of one. And that's what's going to fix it. Like, no, like literally four to six weeks of just like, let that thing recover. Like you can yeah. do other stuff. You can do upper body might be what some people need to do. But again, I'm not a doctor either. 
Well, no. So for me, that's what I've had to do. So I like to cycle in the morning. I, I, I always like to cycle. And what I find is that the cycling is a very repetitive motion. And I thought there wasn't any knee pain from it. So I was like, oh shit, this is great. Right. But what I came to the conclusion of is just overuse in that specific domain. And I had to think more about like the knees over toes position. So backward sled pull, more hamstring development. Those are things that I'm exploring right now. I've been exploring for a while. And, uh, so far, so good, man. I've made some huge progress. I was going to go to jujitsu today. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it another couple of days. Don't be that guy. I can't even sit on my heel yet. So I, I know I need a little bit more time, but man, I'm, I'm getting ready. To, I'm getting, I've been taking class here every day, but I'm, I'm super excited to get back into jujitsu. So speaking of jujitsu, did you see the controversy in jujitsu? I did not. No. Oh boy. What's the latest? Brothers. There's, there's a. It's, it's, what it's, the latest thing I did see that we haven't talked about is I saw Henry, that no, not Henry. that. Oh, just that Nikki Rod um did a blood test for the more plates, more dates guy, and yeah. he was like, he's probably not juicing. Yeah, yeah. So the more plates, more dates guy said that he wasn't he wasn't juicing. So that was like basically they said like you're very unhealthy, Nikki Rod, but you're not yeah. juicing. <laughs> was the takeaway? And what was interesting <laughs> about that is like basically this guy reached out to him and was like, hey, look, dude, um. I'll pay for you to, uh, I'll pay for you to, um, get blood work done. And so they had Merrick health, you know, um, our friends over at Merrick health do it. And basically they're, he was clean, but that wasn't the controversy. The, the thing that's going on, and this is actually, you know, it's, it's scary stuff. There was a $41 million. I'm 99% sure it's 41 million lawsuit that was, um, taken upon a jiu-jitsu gym. Basically, there's a video of this guy doing a move and he's the black belt, he's the owner. And it's 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 super controversial because this gentleman, um, Henner Gracie, who we've actually had on this show a while ago, he testified as an expert witness in this case. And there's just a lot of controversy if he should have, if it was actually uh it, it's it's just really complicated because this gentleman, basically the, the black belt, the owner, took this guy in like a took his back rotated him was going to go take his back for a position and the gentleman who's on the bottom turned the wrong way and ended up getting paralyzed for uh, a time now i i believe he's regained some of his functionality but it, it was just really eye-opening because essentially the insurance company didn't want to cover this guy's costs for his like the insurance the jiu-jitsu gym had didn't want to cover this guy's cost for this injury and so it ended up going all the way to court and a jury and um so where there's a controversy is, you know, was this the instructor's fault? There's actually a video of it. Was Henner's, um, uh, you know, his expert opinion, was it the right move? There's just a lot going on in the jiu-jitsu space about that right now. And it's it's a pretty big deal because it could increase premiums for jiu-jitsu gyms. It could um, deter more people from the sport. So it was, it, so that's what's going on right now. What are, what are like the two camps? There's... I, well, obviously there's the camp that says that like, this was an irresponsible owner, shouldn't have done that, so on and so forth. And then what's, what's kind of the other camp? Like, so there's, there's one camp accident? that says, there's one camp that says, um, irresponsible owner shouldn't have done that move on this. Cause the guy was technically a white belt, but mm. he had previous wrestling experience. He had competing in jujitsu before. So he wasn't like a, like right off the street white belt. He had a lot of experience, not, not a lot. He had some. So there's one camp that said, you should never perform this move on that person the way you did. There's another camp that says, hey, it's a freak accident. There was no malicious intent. Um, 
it was wrongly classified by spiking him on his head, which he didn't like the, the, the there's just these two different camps. And then there's a whole nother camp that's just saying, Hey, regardless of what happened, you know, Henner shouldn't have testified because as an expert, it's just, it's really complicated. And it, it brings up a really interesting point about combat sports and, you know, where the, where's the gray area between, you know, the owner taking responsibility that is, you know, there is danger there, but also at the same time, like the athlete knows what they're getting themselves into a little bit too. And he had, he had signed a waiver. So yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's a really hot topic right now in the jiu-jitsu space. And, um, you know, it's What's very unfortunate, take? very unfortunate all around. What's your hot take? My hot take is that, you know, I didn't s- slow down the video frame by frame. Cause to be honest, it just like made my stomach sick to even watch it. I think that um, the insurance company should have stepped up when it happened. And the fact that they didn't to help this person with their medical bills is, is really shitty. And um, I, I, um, that's kind of where I'm at with that. I think that Henner's testimony, I haven't read it all yet, but it, you know, a lot of people are saying that, you know, he did it because he was trying to get paid this and that. So he ended up donating the money he got paid. It's really, it's, Oh man, it's just my hot take is that I wish the obviously the whole thing never happened. I thought the insurance company should have should have thrown down, but I think it's an eye-opening experience for anybody in the fitness space. We got to make sure that we're paying attention to this kind of stuff. That's the uh, and this is completely unrelated. Well, it's related to what you said, but completely unrelated to what we talked about. I remember listening to this on a podcast, and it's crazy. Like expert witnesses can be paid like any amount. Like yeah, so- <laughs> you're essentially you're essentially like paying for like what you want them to prove or not prove like they're just kind of like expert witnesses for hire it's kind of crazy yeah i mean in his particular case and he was open about this so i don't mind sharing it i'm not saying like in his like oh yeah yeah. it's just crazy that you can find like oh i want to find a psychological expert that says that this was for whatever i can't think of an example but you know what i mean like yeah you can just pay someone to say what you want yeah i think in his case that wasn't the case in terms of like paying them to say what they want i think they were just paying him and that was his time was worth money um it's a tough case to take though, man. There's a lot of pros and cons. There's it's, it's a tough case. And, um, I'm interested to see, he's supposed to be doing a Facebook live or Instagram live with this gentleman, Tom DeBoss, who's also in the jiu-jitsu space. I'm interested to see, hear more about Henner's opinion on the matter. Um, but it's just, um, it's a really big topic right now in the space and there's two different camps on it. Um, yeah, either way, everybody, either way, it's a shitty situation for everybody, especially the gentleman who got injured, of course. So I thought I'd bring that up, but it's, if you're, if you're, if you're in the fitness space, you should just be aware of it because it could set precedent for, um, jujitsu potentially for insurance companies. So just be aware of that. Um, and, uh, the last thing I want to talk about is that our friend Amit, did you get the email from Amit by the way? I did. Yeah. So our friend Amit from Wattify, shout out to our friends over at Wattify, they sent out an email and, um, he titled it. I mean, I'm just pulling it up on my, um, do you have it? The one that they, that they sent basically just, you know, taking fault. I'd have to find it, but I did see it. E- essentially, um, a meet and the team at Wattify, they had rolled out like a, they had rolled out like a kiosk and the yeah, feedback wasn't extreme. We're sorry. Update on kiosk plus. Yep. They had rolled out a kiosk. And I thought this is a really, you know, this is timely for me because I'm rereading extreme ownership because I'm going to a national on front leadership summit. And so I was rereading, I actually was talking to Leif, who's one of the you know gentlemen who's a part of the extreme ownership along with Jocko. And 
they talk all about extreme ownership. I thought this is a good example of Wattify and Amit taking taking ownership. And um, it, it was just a cool, it was a cool practical application. Like, hey, they tried something. We apologize. It didn't work out the way we thought. We're moving on. And I think that he probably earned a lot of people's respect for that. So I want to make sure I brought that up here because that's what I'm trying to get better about. You know, you're not going to be perfect. You're going to make mistakes, but just owning up to it, I think even builds more um, kind of like support from those who depend on you. So shout out to me and our friends over at Wattify. Just want to give them a little, little, little love. Cause I know that was probably tough. For sure. All right. Well, dude, Oh, it's nine, nine Oh six. So, all right. Well, any, um, so we had the Kelly Surrett, the built to move. If, if, if you haven't checked out that podcast, you got to listen to that with Kelly and Juliet. If you're a gym owner and you haven't listened to the Chris Cooper one, you got to go check that one out. Um, got some good coffee clipas, got conversations with Gabe. Um, any kind of final thoughts here on, um, on what, uh, what we have the Android app launched or, or, or we have a bunch of stuff. What, what, what is it, Gabe? <laughs> or we're well, not yeah. talking about that yet. No. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm excited to start talking about the app in a meaningful way. Again, you know, the team has put Jordan specifically, I don't think Jordan listens to the podcast, but shout out Jordan humble like MVP of the NC fit team, very behind the scenes. People probably don't know who Jordan is, but man, if you have anything good to say about the NC fit brand, the websites, like the aesthetic, like Jordan humble, got to give her a shout out. Hopefully yeah. she'll listen to this. Maybe I'll send her the podcast and she'll be like, just fast forward to the end. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Jordan, <laughs> Jordan's an absolute stud and so much work has gone into making our app like top of the line. I mean, that thing, looks and functions, I think exceeds any expectations we ever had for it. And, and I'm super proud to be able to like start pushing it again in a meaningful way. Um, we're also wrapping up a strength cycle now that's kind of meant to prep us for a Wendler cycle that's going to be starting in May. So there's no better time to jump on board because even if you're jumping on board now, like week three or week four of the current cycle we're on, it's really meant to just be a primer, get you a little bit prepped for the Wendler cycle that you're probably going to want to start from beginning to end because we're all trying to get really strong here in the summer. So no better time. We have an amazing app. We're in a really good cycle where you can just jump in where we're at now and get ready for the Wendler app that's going to the Wendler um, cycle that's going to start in May, as well as, you know, a little bit of body weight training and prep for Murph. We're not necessarily going to go in on prepping for Murph, but there's going to be some workouts that lend themselves well to getting super strong in the summer and feeling good for Murph at the end of May. So I think a great time for people to jump on the app, get training with us. And yeah, man, I'm excited for that. Yeah, I have, we have a test flight version, which is like, you know, you get to see what the updates are coming in the future and the current test flight model looks super, super clean. So I'm excited for it to be released. Um, it's also on Android now. So if you're an athlete, you're in your garage, you go on train, you, you know, check out the NC fit app. And if you're a gym owner, of course, um, we talk about this regularly, the NC fit collective. You know, I think that it's the best session plans, the best programming. It's exactly what we do here in our gyms and in the future, stay tuned. Um, I will be doing some events in Europe. So stay tuned for that with, uh, Mr. Chris Hinshaw. And, um, last thing we might, you know, just stay tuned for any possible immersion conversations we have because we're, we're, I, I think, I think we're going to make a big impact, um, this coming week with the partners. So I'm excited about that. So that's it. That's all I got, bro. I know you're thinking I'm jumping the gun, but it's, it's exciting. It's exciting. <laughs>
Oh, and don't forget oh, about the Yeti question of the week coming in the future. So, all right. Well, everybody keep crushing it. Keep getting after it. Make sure you go check out the previous episodes. Hit us up on social media and I'll talk to you guys again soon. Oh,